Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, good morning, guys. Welcome. My name is Graham. I'm the campus pastor at Believer's Church in Boardman. So glad to be with you guys today. I want to welcome all you guys at TCI out at Boardman. I miss you guys already. And all of you here and those watching online, welcome today. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about dreams today. And uh, when I was growing up, I had a dream because I played football when I was little. And I played uh, typically like running back and receiver, defensive back. I thought I was pretty good. And I just was sure that I was gonna be in the NFL. You know, I could just kind of see it now. Like, I'm like this, I'm gonna be in the NFL. And uh, as I matured, I realized that no matter how hard I worked, I was gonna be a whole lot more like Rudy than Patrick Mahomes, you know what I'm saying? And so I said, okay, I better get another dream. Now, I wasn't a Christian, so I thought, man, I love rock and roll, and what's a better job than just being a lead guitarist, just shredding that guitar, traveling the world, you know, a life that's just unimaginable. And the only problem with that desire and that dream was that the only guitar I actually played was the air guitar, and I actually didn't play it very well. So I said, I gotta ditch that dream. But when I was 19, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he radically and forever changed the direction and the course of my life from the inside out. Things that I once desired, I no longer had a taste for. And one thing that began to grow in me was this strong desire and passion to use my life and to offer my life to God and say, God, what could we do together? And so I began to dream about what God and I could do together. And uh, (laughs) the first three years I was a believer, uh, back then in North America, we had what was called street witnessing. Anybody ever do that? Where you just like walk up to total strangers and you try to share Christ with them. It's a lot of fun, right? And uh, so we did that. I remember Lori and I were dating and I used to drag her to downtown Tulsa, the red light district every Saturday night and witness to people. And it's surprising that she stayed with me because that was torture for her. But I remember when I was first saved, here was, here was my earliest dream. I could imagine my friend driving my truck along the beach in Southern California where I grew up and me in the back of the pickup bed with a bullhorn preaching Christ to the masses on the beach. I'm so glad God did not allow that dream to happen because I would have destroyed a whole lot of stuff that way, just horrible preaching. But anyways, you know, when you dream, you're gonna have some failures and some bumps and some bruises, but we're supposed to learn from that, not let that define us. And one of the things that can happen is you can start to, if you fail enough, you could start to sort of pull back and play it safe in life and stop taking a risk, stop going after things. And I don't think that's what God has for any of us in here, but I would say this, that if you're gonna chase some dreams, you're gonna fail occasionally. I know one guy who's a head of a Bible school in Reading, and he tells a couple of thousand students every year, you know, I want you to fail at least twice this year, not in sin, but just fail, because if you're not failing, it means you're not trying. And so we have to understand that that's part of stepping out of the boat, right? But here's the thing. For a lot of us, um, if you've ever been like in my shoes as a pastor, you're at a lot of funerals, more than you want to be. And one of the things that we often hear at funerals are these words. They fought the good fight. They kept the faith and they finished the race. And usually in my heart, I'm saying, I really hope that that's 100% true, but I don't know. That's between them and God. But for me, I just thought, you know what? I don't wanna play it safe in life. 
Like, I want that to be true of me. I want my kids to be able to stand at my funeral and say, hey, you know what, man? He gave it his all. He went for it. He didn't sit on the bench. He swung for the fences. He didn't always hit a home run, but he was in the game and he was going for it. That's what I want them to know about me. And I'm hoping that's what you want in your life. And I'm telling you this, God works through dreams. I think about um, just every single business or company or corporation, whether it's brick and mortar or not, that's out there today, existed first in the heart and mind of a person who was willing to fight for that dream to become a reality. That's how it started. I think about one of the most iconic speeches, a man who was brilliant, way smarter than I could ever be, Martin Luther King. You can see him on the steps in Washington and those words ringing out, I have a dream. And he began to articulate his dream and you hear the, the passion and you hear the conviction and you realize that the dream that this man had in his heart sparked a movement that God was 100% behind with a dream. The apostle Paul lived his life according to a dream and a vision that he had when he encountered Jesus on the Damascus road. Acts 26, 19, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision that came within the first three days of his salvation. He ran his whole life according to a vision that God gave him. And what I find is a lot of believers have started to kind of pull back and they want to play it safe. And we hear people say things like this. Tell me if you can relate. And sayings are funny, aren't you? My mom is 85, she's Irish, and some of her sayings just crack me up sometimes. Like the other day we were talking and she just happened to say, whatever you say, son, say nothing. And I'm like, that's a, that's a clever saying. You guys didn't get that one, did you? Whatever you say, say nothing. I'm like, that's clever, mom. That's a good one, I have to remember it. But how about this one? Don't get your hopes up. Yeah, but the God that you serve calls himself the God of all hope. Faith gives substance to what you hope for. You've got to have something you're reaching for. You've got to have something you're going after for your faith to take hold of it. You need to have a dream. You need to have a vision. You need to have hope in your life. And so if you're here today and you've kind of quit dreaming, quit praying bold prayers, I'm praying that God will sort of restore that part of your heart and cause you to dream all over again. And here's the main thing I want us to get today, and it's simply this, dreams don't just happen, they have steps. I wanna to go to the book of Ephesians chapter three. If you have a Bible, just follow along with me. And I'm gonna read part of this and pray part of this, and this is something that we as your pastors pray over you on a regular basis. But it says this, when I think of the wisdom and scope of his plan, I fall down on my knees and pray to the Father of all the great family of God, some already in heaven and some down here on earth, and Lord, today we pray that out of your glorious unlimited resources that you will give the mighty inner strengthening of the Holy Spirit to everyone that's here and everyone that's listening. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in their hearts, that he'll live within them as they trust in him, that their roots will go down deep into the soil of your marvelous love and that they'll be able to feel your affection, to understand as all God's children, just how long, how wide, how deep and how high your love for them really is and to experience this love for themselves. Even though it's so great, 
they will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. And at last, you'll be filled up with God himself. Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us, and I want you to hear these words, is able. I'm just gonna camp there for a second. Is able. There's a lot of things I'm not able to do. I can't beat my sons in arm wrestling anymore. I'm not able. But I want you to hear what God is able to do. I want you to know what he's able to do. He is able to do far more than what? Than you could dare to ask. What is your boldest prayer for God? God can trumpet, and I'm not getting political here. God can trumpet. Is anybody awake in here this morning? I'm just checking, all right. He's able to do more than you can dare to ask or listen or even dare to dream. God is able to do more than that, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. How's he gonna do it? According to the power that is already at work in you. You walked in with that power this morning in the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You brought that power with you. You may not know it, but it came with you. Now, how many of you this morning, when you fired your car up and came to church and said, oh, thank you so much for my battery. Anybody thank God for their battery today? No, you probably didn't. Don't be lying in the church of God, all right? It's the house of God, don't lie to me. I'll tell you when you notice your battery, you notice it when it doesn't work. Like you gotta get a new battery, right? No, that battery's sitting there, it's got all that power in it, right? But you know, it never does anything until you turn the key. But once you turn the key, that power gets released and it does its job. Listen, dreams, desires, visions that you are and I are boldly praying over, boldly going after, that's the key. Our faith is turning the key. That's releasing the power for God to do far more than we can even dream of. I'm here today because a long time ago, a young American evangelist had a dream. I mean, my spiritual legacy is tied to a young American evangelist. Even though I'm not from this country, I wasn't born here. I was born in Northern Ireland. I was born in Belfast. My mom came from a family with seven kids, six girls, one boy. God bless my Uncle James, who's now in heaven. But none of them served God. None of them, none of them were churchgoers. They didn't go to church. It wasn't part of their life. But my mom had a little friend that invited her to go see an evangelist from America at the city center of Belfast. And my mom said God had already been working on her heart. And when she went, she heard this evangelist speak. And as he preached the gospel, this little 12-year-old Irish girl walked down to the front of of that uh, crusade and prayed a prayer that many of you here have prayed. She gave her heart to Jesus that day at the age of 12. That evangelist, wasn't known then, but his name is Billy Graham. That's how I got my name. Not because it's a British name. I was named after him because my mom wanted to never forget. My mom's 85 today. She's still serving Jesus. She has four kids. Three of us are in ministry. But you know what? I can trace my life all the way back to someone who had a dream to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And somebody said, what was the difference between Billy Graham? Why did he fill stadiums when none of the other evangelists of his day could? And he said, this is what I heard recently, because Billy had the courage to rent an arena when nobody else did, and God filled it. 
again and again and again. He had a dream. I'm part of his legacy here today. I just think, man, dreams are powerful. So why do we stop dreaming? Well, there could be a lot of reasons why you stop dreaming. But I wanna look at one reason why I think people stop dreaming. Um, I came across this a couple of months ago. I thought it was really interesting. Some of us are old enough to remember that we were in a Cold War, right? We were taught to not like the Russians. Am I right? We didn't like the Russians. We wanted to beat them at all costs in everything. Well, in the space war, it was no different. They jumped out ahead of us. They had cosmonauts orbiting the, you know, the, the, uh, the earth before we got up there. Our rockets were blowing up on the pad and they're up in space. And JFK stands in front of the nation and says, we will put a man on the room. No pressure, NASA. No pressure at all. And NASA said, we've got a problem. We know how to measure people's IQ and we know how to measure how smart they are, whether they know physics and math. But here's one thing we don't know how to measure. We don't know how to measure the creativity of a rocket scientist to be a problem solver. Why is that critical? You ever watch Apollo 13? It's classified as the successful failure. Why? Because those men should have died in space. But between Houston and them, they found a creative solution to bring them home alive to their families. The successful failure. Why was that? Because NASA put into place a process to vet and hire not only smart people, but smart, creative people. And they did it accurately. But do you know how they found those people? They approached a professor, Dr. George Land and Beth Jarman, and they said, hey, we need a test that can measure the divergent thinking of individuals. Because we can measure how much they know about math. But divergent thinking is exploratory. It's something that's creative. It's, here's an object. How many different ways can you use it? And they said, we don't know how to measure that. So he created a test. NASA used it for years with great success. And Dr. Land one day said, I wonder if we could take this test and give it to children. And so they developed it for children. And they did this study with 1,600 children. And they started out with them when they were four to five years old and they gave them this test. Now, this is a classroom where you get to shout out the answer today, all right? But I want a little participation here and I'm just curious, how many of those four to five-year-olds do you think tested out as creative geniuses? Just throw out a percentage at me, anybody? 90, 85, 100, wow, who are you, man? I wanna get next to you, I want the 100 right there. That's my friend right there, the guy that said 100, go to the head of the class right now. Pretty darn close, you know what? 98%, 98%, you that? Guys, come on, don't you see this in your kids? Go play with Johnny. Hey, you're the bad guy, I'm this. Aren't they creative? Don't they imagine? Yeah. Let's take that same group of children and let's fast forward from kindergarten. Let's move them into fifth grade at the age of 10. And let's see how many of them at the age of 10 are still creative geniuses. Anybody want to guess how many of them at the age of 10 are creative geniuses? 70, 40, right. All right. I hate to break it to you, but y'all wrong. 30% in just five years. Now let's fast forward. Let's take them through puberty. 
Let's take them into their sophomore year in high school. And let's see how this same group of 1,600 children are doing as sophomores when it comes to being creative. Are you ready for this? Anybody want to guess on this one? Two, eight, nine, 24. Do I have a five? Do I have a six? No, I'm just kidding. You know what it is? 12%. And I'd love to take you further than that, but I think they got so depressed with the results, they said, we're not gonna test them anymore, it's done. But the average person, at, by the age of 31, the average person, there's only 2% of our population that are considered creative geniuses by age 31. That's the Steve Jobs type person. Why is that? How do you start out as this creative genius and like we fast forward you like 10 years and in 10 years, we've lost almost all of you. How did that happen? Well, there's two kinds of thinking. When they monitor the brain, there's divergent thinking, which is that creative part of your brain. But another part of your brain is called convergent thinking. And that's the part that's rational and judgment-based, common sense. Not bad, it's part of your brain, God gave it to you. But what they found out is that when children begin the educational process, they teach them to use both parts of their brain at the same exact time. So there's not just a dreaming session. No, we're gonna dream and we're gonna reason at the same time. So what happens? That's like, have you ever been in a room where you're trying to come up with a solution and somebody throws out an idea and someone gives what? Here are 10 reasons why that could never work. Steve Jobs would walk into a room and say, I want a phone that people can flip with their fingers, you know, whatever. And they'd say, that's impossible. And he'd say, make it happen. What happens is you start to dream, but then that part of your brain kicks in and says, here are the reasons why my dream could never happen. X, Y, and Z. Let's leave that dream alone. Let's move on. And that's not the only reason why people stop dreaming, but that's one reason. And I think the Bible says the natural mind cannot receive the things of the spirit. Think about Abraham and Sarah. They want a child. God shows up and says, I'm gonna give you a child. By the way, you don't have to Google his name. I picked his name for you. It's Isaac. They said, God, can we just remind you for a second that what you just said actually cannot happen? It's impossible. And God's like, oh man, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry. I thought all things were possible with me. You didn't get that memo, did you? No, he didn't. How about this, Zechariah, you're gonna have a son, John the Baptist, he's gonna usher in the Messiah. Uh, Lord, that can't happen, it's impossible. What part of your brain's kicking in? Convergent, natural mind. God's like, we'll have to shut this guy up. How about this? There's 5,000 people that I think I'm gonna feed right now. What do you got? Two fish, five loaves. Go ahead and feed him, we can't. Do you know who you're talking to? All things are possible with me. So that's the natural mind, it kicks in. And so I think what can happen is we can start to be governed by that natural mind if we're not careful. But can I just say something to you this morning? God is a God of visions and dreams. He loves to give them to his people. I wanna show you that in the scripture. It says in Acts chapter two, verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on everyone. 
Your sons and daughters will speak what God has revealed. Your young men will see visions. When I used to read this, I used to fit right in that part. I used to see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. So I don't know if I'm an old man yet, but I've had a few dreams. That's all I'm saying, all right? Anyways, but what I love about this passage right here is it says when God's spirit gets poured out, no one gets left out. Do you see any age or gender discrimination in that verse? It's talking about children having things revealed to them by the spirit of God, sons and daughters. It's talking about young men, old men. There's no discrimination that God is at work in all of our lives. And he is the one that gives us these dreams. And when we begin to see what God wants to show us, we start to take hold of his will for our lives. You know, if I asked you in this room today, how do you think the Browns will do next year? Are they going to the Super Bowl? I got some people that are using their convergent thinking right now, man. They're like, that's possible. All things are possible, but probably not. Anyways, but if I asked you, you think they're going or Pittsburgh is, once you tell me your opinion, how many know I know I don't have to figure out what you think about that. Once you tell me, I know what you think. I don't have to guess. Here's a question I have for you. Is it possible to know what God thinks about you? Is it possible to know the thoughts that God has concerning you and your life and your family and your calling? Thank you. I have a really smart class in here today. Smart class, all right? Let's just prove that in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 2.16. The scripture asks, has anyone ever known the thoughts of the Lord or given him advice? But we understand what Christ is thinking. And so God speaks in a lot of different ways. But one of the ways that God chooses to speak is through imagery. And I would even say this, whether God gives you a word out of scripture or it comes through a desire or whatever, here's what I have found out. If I was to say to you today, when I rolled in here today, there was a dog in the parking lot. And oh, by the way, it was a Doberman. Had its ears all cut up and all that. How many know when I said that to you, in your brain, you didn't, you didn't just see letters scroll across like D-O-G. No, when I said there was a dot, what did you do? You think in images, don't you? So even when God speaks a word to your heart, what does it do? It creates image on the inside of you. It creates vision, it creates dreams on the inside of you. So God's in the business of talking to his kids. And if you want to know what God thinks about you, ask him. He will talk to you. He will tell you. And my guess is, if anything, you're probably underselling, not overselling yourself. All right. Couple of things you're gonna have to deal with. If you're gonna chase a dream, you're gonna have to deal with a bully called fear. Fear is gonna tell you that you can't do it. And if you read the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, you find three individuals that God gave serious investment capital to. Two went out and did something with it, but the third person who did nothing, do you know why he buried his talents? He said, I was afraid. I love what the message translation says. It says, this guy decided to play it safe. Guys, I don't wanna play it safe, do you? I wanna get up to the plate and swing away, even if I fail. We don't have to be afraid because God is with us. I love what somebody said recently about fear. They said, we would never trust a person who lied to us as much as our fears. We would never trust a person who lied to us as much as our fears. Think about that for a second. So if you're gonna 
step out of the boat, you gotta move beyond your fear. Let's talk about another area. If you're gonna chase a dream and a vision and a desire from God, you gotta be courageous. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous because I'm with you wherever you go. You know, a couple of years ago, a lady sort of came to prominence, a researcher and professor by the name of uh, Brene Brown. And uh, she would tell you in her own words that up to a certain point in time, she lived a very safe life. She had accomplished great things, but it was a safe life. She specialized in shame and vulnerability. And she said, I made sure to just take small risks so that I could never experience shame or failure. And one day something changed her life. She was asked to speak at a TEDx. So if you're familiar with TED Talks, these are the junior TEDs. They usually never get airtime, like the big ones. And she did it with a group where she knew a lot of the people. She thought, I'll just go back to my university position, teach my classes, lecture, you know, do my thing. That's what I do. And something happened. And this is a lady who today, by the way, gets hired by some of the largest corporations in the world to help them become better. And what was really crazy was this lady spoke and that talk went viral. And all of a sudden it blew up. She was shocked at how many people had seen this talk. It resonated. Now she's a lady who just became a believer just a few years ago, but she said that she thought she was prepared for the onslaught. But what happened was all those people who majored in trolling in college began to attack her online. They began to body shame her. Yeah, if I weighed as much as you, I'd talk about shame too. And her husband said, don't read that stuff. And she goes, you're right, I'm better than that. I'm not gonna read that. She said, the moment he got out the driveway, she's like, how many know you can't listen to the voice of your enemy, can you? And you know what she did? No, she didn't go get drunk, but she pulled all the shades down. She lived in Houston, where it's probably a little warmer than here, cranked up the AC, wrapped herself in a big blanket, got a tub of peanut butter, and binged watch Downton Abbey. Never seen an episode, but that's what she, I probably would've watched a violent movie if it was me. But she binged watched it. And she said, you know how when you get to the end of a, a binge watching, you're like, I still don't wanna face reality, so I'm just gonna like start Googling. So where was Downton Abbey? What part of England is that in? What era is that from? Who was the president of the United States when that was going on? And all of a sudden, while she's doing that, something comes up. Something from Teddy Roosevelt just known as the man in the arena, one of his famous speeches. And these are her words, not mine. She said, this was nothing other than a God moment in my life. God spoke through these words to me. And I'm not gonna read the whole thing to you today. I actually used to have this in my office. I had it in my office framed for 10 years because I wanted to remind myself to live a life that was courageous, to go for it and to fail. If I was gonna fail, let's fail while daring greatly. But I wanna read this part of it to you. She said this as she read it. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena. And somehow God showed her, you gotta quit playing it safe. 
you gotta be willing to live a courageous life. And she said, you know what? I cannot control my critics and I can't control what other people are gonna say about me. But she said, as a result of that, word that came to her. She said, I made a decision to do two things every day. When my feet hit the ground and I come out of that bed, I'm going to do two things every day. Number one, she said, I'm going to be brave with my life. I'm going to be brave with my life. Courageous. And number two, I'm going to choose to live in the arena and not play it safe. And man, has she been doing it. She's doing it. She's having a huge impact. So guys, we gotta overcome the bully called fear. We gotta be courageous. But you know what we have to do? We have to go back to what those four and five-year-olds knew. And that is this, that when we dream, we can put our trust in a God who can make those dreams come true. I wanna read to you a passage in Luke 18. It says, one day some mothers brought their babies to him and to touch and bless, but the disciples told them to go away. Then Jesus called the children over to him and said to the disciples, let the little children come to me, never send them away. For the kingdom of God belongs to men. Are you listening? Are you, are you ready for this? Who have hearts as trusting as these little children. And anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get within the kingdom's gates. See, I think God knows that you and I have been burned by a lot of people. We put our trust in the wrong people, but we can trust him. And in a childlike way, it's amazing. You know, I have a two-year-old granddaughter in Scottsdale and I got to spend five days with her in February, little Eliza, who can say just about anything. I don't know if she knows what she's saying, but she can say just about anything, not real well. But she's so sweet and cute and full of life. And she looked up at you in the morning and I'd say, what do you want to do today, Eliza? And she'd say, do you want to go to the park? And I was thinking, no, but I do now. <laughs> And I'd tell that little two-year-old, I'd say, hey, okay, Eliza, Papa's gonna take you to the park. And do you know what she would say to anybody that she saw? Guess what, guess what, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go to the park today. Papa's taking me to the park today. She had no doubts. Guys, come on. Could we not trust our Heavenly Father more than Eliza can trust Papa? I'd do anything for Eliza, but this is someone who's never failed. His faithfulness reaches to the heavens. Faithfulness. Can we not trust him with what we're going through today? Can we not trust him to help us do what people call impossible? I believe the answer is yes. We can trust him. So we said dreams don't just happen. They have steps, but here's another thing. Dreams don't happen by trying, but by training. Rowdy Gaines was a U.S. swimmer, fastest man in the world, heading into the 1980 Olympics in the 100 meters. And right before those Olympics came, President Carter said, we're going to boycott them. So all that training, now we can't compete for the gold. He got so depressed that he quit swimming for six months. And his dad said, you can't give up on that dream. You're not finished. You gotta get back in the pool and swim. And he'll tell you that over an eight year period, he swam 20,000 miles, 50 meters at a time to stand on the podium with a gold medal around his neck. And he did. 
But how many know there's setbacks? How did he get there though? Training, one stroke, one step at a time. If you were out there today and you felt really inspired and maybe you were a little bit heavier than you wanna be, a little bit out of shape, maybe you haven't worked out since you were in high school, and you said, you know, I'm inspired today, man. Graham, I'm gonna run a marathon. I'm gonna do it, man. 26.2 miles, seriously, I wouldn't, yeah, I'm gonna do it. And then you get all your gear on tomorrow and you jump out there and you're like, here I go, 26.2 miles. How many know, if you don't die, I'll probably visit you in the ER room because you collapsed somewhere because you didn't do any training. No, the likelihood is you probably are gonna go out and run one lap around your block. And by the end of the week, you might get up to a mile. In the end of the month, you might get up to a couple of miles. But it's gonna take you a year to train for that thing. And that's how dreams and visions are, man. God puts you in this training process. We call it problems. We call it tests and trials. That's called your training. Just look at Joseph. God, what am I doing here? Yeah, I, I'm working. I'm working. We train for these things. And then when God knows we're ready, he just releases us right into it. But yeah, you're gonna have setbacks. But step by step, you get there. Share one more story with you before we close here today. Lori and I were driving back from Cleveland a couple of months ago, and uh, we were listening to a leadership podcast from Craig Rochelle. And it was a young lady on there that had just written a book called Beginner's Pluck. And I thought, this is a really, really interesting talk. And so I began to research her a little bit more. Her name is Liz Forkin Bohannon. And she shared this story, how she just had this strong passion, this dream, this desire in her heart to help women in nations where they could never really get ahead. You know, where they would never have the privilege that she had. That was in her. She said, but then I went through college, went through graduate school, got my master's in journalism, and then took a cushy corporate job. And one day I just sat and realized I've never done anything to help one single woman around the world take a step towards her dream. And so she bought a ticket to Uganda. She had one number and she met all these incredible young Ugandan women who were really bright, really intelligent, and they had dreams. But the sad reality was in that country, it was a male dominated culture. They had a nine month gap after high school to university. And if they didn't have the money, they couldn't go. And the boys were going to get the money first, not the girls. And so almost all these girls would go back to their village and just settle into life and never chase the dream. And so she was so moved by that. She said, I've got to find a way to help them. So she came back to the US and she said, you know, I'm going to help. I'm going to start a charity and we'll fund this. And she started a charity and guess what? That charity failed. And then she said, I'm going to start a chicken farm. And I'm still trying to figure that one out. I'd like to hear more about it, but she was from Missouri. Why would you start a chicken farm for crying out loud? Come on. But she must've known as much as I did because that failed too but she didn't quit on the dream. She still had a fire in her that said, I gotta help these women. And so she thought, she said, you know, when I was in college, man, I'm kind of creative. I designed my own flip-flop that wouldn't flop when I wore it. And so she found three young girls right after graduation. There was nine months. She said, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna raise the money. I'm gonna get you the supplies. I'm gonna give you the patterns. You work on this product and then get it to me and I'm gonna go back to America and sell it. And we're gonna use that, that money to put you through university. 
And you know what? She said, I went back to America and she said, out of the trunk of my car, to anyone who would listen, I sold those sandals and I put those first three girls into university. That was 2009. Fast forward to today. She now leads something that's been featured in a lot of fashion magazines. She's been on Shark Tank. She's been in a lot of places. But she runs a company called Seiko Designs. They employ 65 Ugandan women, pay them great wages or good wages, fair wages, educate their children. And a lot of the girls wanting to go to university can work there as well. But currently today, Seiko Designs is funding the education of 131 Ugandan women that are in university today because somebody had a dream that they were willing to do something about. Come on, yeah, not just sit on the sidelines. She's had over 200 women already graduate from university and they're just getting started. Man, come on, man, that fires me up. Nothing's impossible. Yeah, you're gonna have some stuff. Nothing's impossible with the God that we serve. He's called El Shaddai, the God who can back up what he says. One last thing. I went out and treated myself to some Legos, all right? I never had Legos growing up, not because my parents couldn't afford them, because I wasn't interested in them, okay? My younger brother, who I love to beat up all the time, he was a Lego guy, all right? And Paul, if you're watching this, you deserved a lot of those beatings. Not all of them, but a lot of them, anyways. It made you a better man. It made you who you are today. He's a lot bigger than me now, though, so, you know, I got to watch it. But he was a Lego guy. And I think Legos are cool. Like you see these Lego kits, right? And, and they're cool for kids. And, but it's really cool. Legos are kind of like dreams, you know? Because like you look at this picture, right? You have a dream like you can see it, right? I can see it. Oh, this is what's going to happen. I can see it. The kid buys this, dream, this, this shark right here and takes it home and goes, man, I'm going to have this shark. He's, when he opens this box and dumps it out, guess what's not coming out? That shark's not coming out. It's not. You know what's coming out? 230 pieces of shark are coming out. <laughs> and you know what? You can't skip a step. You got to snap them together one piece at a time. 230 times you got to snap pieces to get to that complete picture. Guys, that's what visions and dreams and desires are like. You got to take one step after another of obedience and faith, one after another. And that's how you get to the finish line. One step at a time. Dreams don't just happen. You take steps of faith, steps of obedience, and God does the rest. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you so much for these people that are here. I, I really appreciate um, them giving me their time to listen. And Father, today, if there's people here, I know the Bible says that hope deferred or delayed can make the heart sick, can cause depression. People said, yeah, I used to, I used to dream, I used to believe, but you know what, Graham, if you only knew what I've gone through, you'd know why I've stopped. You know what, I'm guessing that some of you have gone through pain that I can't even imagine. And I think of people in the Bible like Joseph, who continue to love God through all that pain. And when they thought that dream was dead and gone, somehow God, was able to resurrect it and have the last word. And I wanna pray for you today, Lord, I pray 
for these people here, Lord, if they've had a dream, maybe their dream is to see their family come into the kingdom of God, but they feel like they're further, not closer today. Maybe their dream is to start a business that would, would be a vehicle and a resource for the kingdom of God. Maybe their vision and dream is to, to use their gifts and talents to the highest possible level for the glory of God. I don't know what their dream is, but Lord, you can do it. And age doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter to you. I pray, Lord, that you will literally restore and revive, resurrect dreams and hopes and visions on the inside of hearts today. Because Lord, nothing is really impossible with you. And I pray that you bless this people. You know, today we've been talking to you while we're in this place of prayer, talking to you about dreams. And you know, there's a lot of things that I can pick up online that are self-help materials that can help me achieve goals and dreams as well. And I can follow a lot of those principles and very often achieve success, but I can do all that and never really be connected to the purpose for which I was creating, the purpose for which I was born, because that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, I believe you're here for a reason. And I believe that God wants to be active and working in your life. And you were created to be in a relationship, a friendship with God, for him to be your savior, for you to be his child. And you know, as I stand here, I can tell you as a husband, as a father, as a son, as an uncle, nephew, I'm imperfect in every one of those roles that I've ever had. I'm imperfect, I'm not perfect. And there's times I felt guilt because of that. Maybe you can relate, maybe you felt guilt as well. Where's that guilt come from? It comes from the fact that we've all sinned, that none of us are perfect. And because we've all sinned, we all need a savior. I'm not talking about you joining this church or joining a religion. I'm talking about you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I feel like God has already been dealing with my heart. Maybe you knew him a long time ago and you just walked away for an awful long time, but you're here today. Or maybe you are hearing this for the first time and you're saying, you know what, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to cross that line of faith today. Can I give you a promise that God has given to you? It simply says this in Romans 10, 9 and 10 in the Bible. It says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say or confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You'll become his child. Because when you believe, it puts you in a place where God now accepts you into his family. And what you say with your mouth, in the same way that you sign a contract at a dealership, you're signing on the dotted line by your confession of faith. Jesus, I believe. And a simple way to do that is by just praying a prayer from your heart. I wanna lead you in that prayer today. If you've never prayed it before, or you're coming back today, I wanna lead you in that prayer. It's a simple prayer, but I promise you, if you mean it, God is listening to you. And I'm gonna just pray it. And if you wanna pray that with me, would you do that right now? Church, nobody here prays alone. Let's pray. Just say, Jesus, I call on you now. Come and save me. Forgive my sins. I believe your Lord that you rose from the dead. I put my trust in you. I give you all of my heart, all of my life. And today I make a decision to follow you. Amen. 
Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.